Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're dedicating this hour to, well, mainly footy. Matty Donald's going to join me in just a moment. Uh, he's a budding statistician on the rise, a name to look out for. Uh, he's going to be my breakout statistician of the year. I've already declared that. Um, he's run the rule over every, uh, every one of the 18 AFL teams and come up with their statistical New Year's resolution, the area that they want to get better at, because that's what New Year's resolutions really always are. Something you want to stop doing or something that you want to start doing. You might want to stop smoking. You might want to start exercising. Those tend to be the most common ones. And uh, when I read out the Dear Santa list before Christmas, when I got my hands on every club's letter to Santa, what they wanted for Christmas, um, there were a couple of people that thought that was serious and took a little bit of umbrage and took offence uh, at, at the uh, what was clearly tongue-in-cheek and um, me taking the P155. Um, so I thought, well, if serious is what you want, then let's get serious. Let's get analytical. So Matty Donald's going to come in right now and, and get us stuck in to the New Year's resolutions for all 18 teams statistically. Now, you might have a more theoretical or philosophical New Year's resolution for your AFL club, and I would love to hear it. In this hour as well, we're going to do our sporting crystal ball big calls. So your big statements for the year, your predictions for this season. It could be footy. It could be in any other sport. It could be a breakout star that you're going to, who's going to announce themselves on the international stage or the, uh, the AFL stage, wherever it might be. We're going to look for a comeback player of the year. Jordan Canellis is going to come in and we're going to throw a few of those around after 10:30 as well. But Matty Donald has jumped in. Who's normally behind the button. So Matty, my first question to you is who's, who's driving the bus? Uh, well, we're just freewheeling it at the moment. Sam, oh, good morning to you and happy new year. Uh, happy new uh, year. Are well. we like Tesla autopilot at the moment? Cause I've yeah. heard there were some issues with that. Yeah. We're just, we're just sort of seeing how it goes with no one, uh, running things and, and seeing if it, if it works any better or if it works any worse. <laughs> I think we're still on air. So, so far. I so think good. we are. We'll get a thumbs up <laughs> or thumbs down, uh, from Jordan. Uh, if we happen to just veer off the road ever so slightly. Right. So this is a challenge that I set for you. Now you are, are, are well loved and liked and do a phenomenal job around SEM with everything that you do. But I know that this is an area that you're really passionate about. Often when I'm calling a game of footy and you're paneling, you'll text me in an incredible or insightful stat, uh, especially about the Western Bulldogs who you love, but about all 18 teams. And I'm always the better for it and very grateful for it as well. So the challenge was tell me the area statistically that every club needs to improve on or a trend that they need to correct if they're going to be better in season 2024, if they're going to make finals, if they're going to win finals and maybe even claim the ultimate. So we're going to do it alphabetically. Okay, good. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I planned it. <laughs> so well, you're not throwing me off. How little, um, you have little faith in me that I was going to throw you under the bus like that. All right, let's start with the Adelaide Crows. Uh, Adelaide. Uh, well, 
quite clearly their defining moment last year was the Ben Keys goal that wasn't mm. uh, against the Swans, penultimate round of the season, Adelaide Oval. Uh, and Adelaide fans will rightly claim that, you know, perhaps they should have won that match. They didn't, they lost by two points. But what the bigger picture is, I think, from that one is a, is a trend of Adelaide losing the close ones mm. last year. So of the six games that they played that were decided by six points or fewer, they were one and five. Mm. They beat Hawthorne down in Tasmania by three points, but they lost to Collingwood twice by one point at, uh, in Adelaide and then by one, uh, two points rather in, at the MCG. Uh, they also lost to, uh, they also lost that match against Sydney, uh, Melbourne and Brisbane as well also beat them. Now, yeah. Swing one of so those they, And results. these are top eight teams. Yes, they are. And, yep. and Adelaide improved a lot over the course of, of the season. Yeah. And, you know, had they gone on a, and made finals, potentially won a final, I, I don't think, you know, we would have been really able to argue against um, them being deserving of that. But being able to win the close games is the difference between the good teams and the premiership contenders. So that's the trend for them. The other thing that they did was they lost six games when they had more scoring shots than their opposition, yeah. which was one that I sort of leaned towards. They're also the ninth-ranked defence. So they've got a couple, don't they, that where if they can just improve on those few little areas ever so slightly, then they should be, and I think will be, playing finals in 2024. So we're off to a good start here. The statistical New Year's resolutions for each team. Brisbane Lions. It's a cliche to say that the Lions aren't the best when we go beyond the Gabba, but the facts are, are true. They were flawless at home. They mm. were they had a record of 12 and, and 0 at the Gabba this year. No yep. worries there. The problem is on the road, and it's not necessarily just the MCG, but they had a record of five and seven in away matches this year. Wow. No, no, everyone else that made the top eight won at least seven games on the road. So that there's is a, that right? yeah, so there's a, there's a big chasm between what the Lions are capable of at home and what they're capable of on the road. So I think two of those games they lost at the Adelaide Oval to Port Adelaide and, and uh, Adelaide. Three times they lost it at the MCG. They lost to Hawthorne and, uh, and obviously they lost the grand final as well to Collingwood. And the other one was Melbourne, mm. where they, they held a substantial lead in the last quarter. And that was the best late. game of the year for it me. Was, it was certainly The best and worst of both those two teams on display in the different halves. It was an extraordinary game. Yeah, Because it, it showed you what could win both of those teams a premiership and what could lose both those teams a premiership. And, you know, it was a close grand final and, and Brisbane couldn't uh, get it done in the end, despite being uh, pretty gallant in defeat. So that's a ripper uh, for Brisbane. It's not just about the MCG. They need to fix their record on the road. Uh, what about Carlton? Carlton, all, it was, I think it was Mick Moldhouse who, who set the phrase the premiership clock. I think it was before it became the premiership window. And if Carlton's time is now, which mm -hmm. many at Icon Park believe it is, they need to set the alarm back a few hours. Probably yes. more than a, a few hours, I would think. So if we go back to round 13, I think it was, they lost to Essendon by 34 points on King's birthday eve, I think it was, at the MCG. They were 5, 1, and 8 at that point, mm -hmm. and they were in the bottom four. Now, their finish to the season was extraordinary. I mean, they, we, we know all about it. They came from the clouds. They finished outside the top four, but they went on to a preliminary final, and there was a there was a time in that preliminary final where people were starting to think that Carlton could potentially go all the way. But this is the problem with... I think the AFL was certainly rubbing their hands here. <laughs> yeah. oh, Carlton Collingwood, Since yes. 1970, it's going to be Carlton Collingwood grand final. All <laughs> our Christmases have come at once. We're happy with that. But this is, this is why winning a flag from outside the top four is so difficult and why starting your run later on in the season mm. 
has so many challenges because it doesn't take much for things to go wrong before it, it all unravels. And it, it's why the only one side has been able to win the flag from outside yeah. the top four. Because when you leave your run too late, you're playing catch up. And if every game is a cutthroat final, effectively, it catches up with you in the end. So Carlton's New, New Year's resolution for 2024, set the alarm back a few hours, make sure you start the season at round zero or round one or, or whenever it actually is this year so that you're not playing catch up in the back half mm. of the year. Because oh, I think that ultimately makes a big difference. So their statistical New Year's resolution this year is their start to the season. Yeah. Um, and through the middle part of the season where they're on that terrible losing streak, I made the joke in the Dear Letters to Santa that they asked Santa to have the camp at Ed Kerno's house a little earlier. Because <laughs> after they had that camp, they went 11-1. and one. Um, They were also ranked ninth for scoring in a team with two Coleman medalists. So they weren't getting enough out of anyone not named Kerno. Their small forwards needed to be more productive this year. Um, so you, you're not going to win a premiership being ninth for scoring. They were also 14th for goal kicking accuracy. I'm going to talk about goal kicking because I think that's going to be the biggest leap in the game this year. It's going to be the most decisive stat um, in footy this year. That's going to be a big part of what they need to do. So their defence has to get tighter, we know, which improved out of sight in the back half of the year in that run. But they need more productivity from anyone not named Kerno. Um, as well. And they'll be able to do what you're saying and win more frequently in the first half of the year to not have to leave it all on the line. Cause they were playing finals a month before finals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every, every yeah. game was a must win game for them. Whereas for teams like Collingwood and Brisbane, they'd done the heavy lifting early. So if they did yeah. drop a game here or there, it wasn't that big a deal. All right. Collingwood, the premiers. Difficult on this one. Yes. I think I think when when you win the premiership, it doesn't really matter what you bring to the table. It, it's going to come off as slightly picky. Mm. The one I went with, and you and you touched on it with goals. I, I feel like Dan McStay's goals are mm. going to be, or, or trying to replace them, are, are going to be a big challenge. And yep. it's got to be something that Collingwood really try to address. And I know they've got a, a lot of players that have tried out for a, a spot on Collingwood's list over the summer. He didn't have a huge season if you just look at. McStay's numbers, 20 goals in, in 14 games. He spent a large portion of the year injured. He's, we know he's going to spend a, a lot more of next year injured as well. But 17 goals, 17 of those goals came in, in a nine-game run from round 18 to the preliminary final. That's a great stat. And mm. when you think about the finals that Collingwood played, they win by seven points, they win by one point. Without McStay's contributions, Collingwood probably don't go through to the grand final. Even though he doesn't play in the grand final, he plays a significant role in their premiership. He does. In the finals that preceded it, you're 100% right. So Lockie Schultz isn't that man. He's not the replacement for McStay. No. So it's got to be Ash Johnson. Maybe it's Frampton up forward. Or maybe it's a collective with Cameron hitting the scoreboard more, Cox hitting the scoreboard more. Um, that's, a, that's a fantastic one uh, for Collingwood because how do you improve on the perfection of winning a premiership? It's going to be tough. But that stat, 17 goals in nine games, he was almost going at two goals a game yeah. at the business end of the year. So how do you replace those goals is going to be a massive one for Collingwood and, and the new year's resolution that they need to set, how they set it and where they set it. It's going to be a fascinating watch. Essendon. Essendon. Uh, so we're going to continue on the theme of goals with the Bombers. Uh, their leading goal scorer for the year, Carl Langford, 51 goals. Mm. Um, fantastic effort from, from him. And it's, it's certainly not a, not a criticism of him. They had three players kick more than 20 goals for the season. Uh, to be fair, 
not meant, not included in that three is Peter Wright, who had an injury affected year. He kicked 19 goals in, in 10 games. But I think if you if your next leading goal scorer, which is Jai Menzi, is kicking only 23 goals, mm. and Menzi had a great season as well. But you need more from an offensive front. Uh, you can't be relying on just two players to to kick the bulk of your goals. If you're a side that wants to break that duck of cracking into finals and and winning it. Uh, Jake Stringer was the only other one who managed more than 20 goals for the season. He kicked 21 goals, 23. So there's just not enough avenues to, to goals for Essendon. They, they need to yeah. probably find at least one other. So so they were top eight for goals per inside 50, which is a great stat. You, you, you Essentially, your efficiency when you go forward. So they were a top eight ranked team for that, but they're actually ranked 15th for inside 50. So there is scope there to do what you're saying, but the issue for them is their midfield. So they're 18th for clearances, which means that the forwards just aren't getting enough. You know, when you're 15th for inside 50s and 18th for clearances, you're just not giving your forwards enough opportunity. So they do bring some four to centre players in, in uh, Xavier Dersma, Jade Gresham. So hopefully he can have an impact on where the ball goes and who it goes to uh, inside 50 uh, as well. And Nate Caddy looks like a ready-to-go player. So they were very keen on bringing him in. They they traded to bring him in yeah. uh, on, on draft night. So that gives you an indication on, on just how highly they rate him and, and how how strongly he features in their plans. Uh, Matty Donald's jumped in. We're doing the statistical New Year's resolution for each of the 18 teams in the AFL. Matty has worked feverishly, pouring over the numbers overnight to come up with the statistical area of improvement your club needs to be better in 2024, whether it's a stat that needs to rise or a trend that they need to correct. Uh, He has them all in hand and the most pressing one for each team. We're working our way through Fremantle, Matty. Fremantle are an interesting one. They went from playing finals in 2022, winning a final, to Mm. missing out altogether this year. And it's kind of difficult to pinpoint exactly why that was the case. But I do see one issue that needs to be rectified with the the Dockers next year. They've somehow got to fill this Lockie Schultz-sized or shaped gap in their forward line. Led or was second in in the club for goals. He kicked 33 goals. He was also second for marks inside 50, which... Mm. Caught me off guard as well, both um, behind behind Jai and Miss on both counts. And Miss is a good young player, and he's going to be a fine forward for the Dockers for many years to come, but he's going to need help. And it's just sort of a case of how and, and where the Dockers go about rectifying that. Now, they've got a couple of tall options they, they can turn to. They've got Luke Jackson. Now, he's an interesting case study as to what they want to do with him. Do they want him to be their long-term ruckman? Do they want him to be their lock, long-term forward? Do they want him to be a bit of both? Because they've still got Sean Darcy there, of course. Another six years. Yeah. Uh, he, he They locked him away for, and we know that Jackson's on a long-term contract. So that is going to be fascinating how they juggle those two. And that has been a knock from some, including Kane Corns on Jackson. He doesn't take enough marks inside forward 50. I think they were ranked 12th or 13th for that stat overall last year, but they were only 16th for inside 50s. They stuff around with the ball. They're 11th for disposals, but 16th for inside 50. So they muck around with the footy. Um, and it's a big year for Justin Longmuir. So that hole that they need to fill, it, Matt Tabiner, can he get injury-free and be that man? Um, Tracy has shown some ability when he's been able to string some games together. So they didn't draft anyone, it, it seems, for that. They certainly didn't bring anyone in by trade to fill that specific need. And they brought in uh, Cooper Simpson, was a midfielder that they took with uh, their first pick uh, in the draft because they didn't have much in the way of first round as obviously giving them away um, for Luke Jackson. So if, you know, Ollie Murphy, who they took next is a key defender. So anything they want to do in that space has to come Maddie from someone who's already there. 
One other thing that I'd noticed with Fremantle during the trade period, in terms of the players that they let go of, they've now got three first-round draft picks for next year. Mm. So I, I feel like they're, they've got something that yeah. they're plotting but for, that for next year, but that doesn't help Justin Longmuir. it's not going to help them right now. <laughs> and that doesn't help no. Justin Longmuir, who's out of contract. And um, no. now, under, uh, it looks like a fair bit of pressure. No, I, I agree with that. But they do have options there. And I think Tabernau's a, a good player, but the issue with him is just being able to get out on, on the park yep. and play. And that will be where their season is defined on their ability to to score because they are a team that struggle to do so. Those midfield numbers are interesting as well because they've got some very good midfielders. Yeah, but they barely played Will Brody this year, um, yes, who had a great year in his first up, yeah. year uh, at Fremantle. So, yeah, they, they are an interesting watch, and especially when it comes to the cattle uh, and do they have enough to do what they need to do in the areas that they haven't been doing it in. Uh, Geelong. Geelong, I think it's time for, for them. Their New Year's resolution needs to be to introduce the next generation. I think if, if you look at Geelong's list and in terms of experience, in terms of average age or average games played per player and average age, they're ranked second in both counts behind Collingwood, who are both the most experienced and the oldest list in the league in terms of games played and age. I think that's a bit of a misnomer though, because I reckon if you put together Collingwood's best 23, and Geelong's best 23. I reckon Geelong's best 23 would be much older and be much more experienced in terms of games mm. played. If you go through the, if I, I, so I was going through their list and I think there might've been four players under the age of 25 who I, I think would have a case for being a best 23 player. And I've got them here. Uh, Sam DeConing, Tanner Bruin, Ollie Henry and Max Holmes. The rest I can't really make a, a case for. So you've written here that there's 11 players with fewer than 10 games experience and 18 with less than 50. Yep. Uh, and they didn't bring anyone in in the trade period. So they, uh, Sava Radigalia goes. They were exclusively into the draft, but they weren't particularly at the pointy end uh, of the draft. They took Conor O'Sullivan, a key defender, uh, with pick 11. And their next pick was the, uh, the ruck that they took, um, Mitch Edwards, at pick 32. So... Uh, then Sean Manor was um, from Werribee, um, who they took, which is a great story. Uh, the 26-year-old who kicked seven in the, the VFL grand final. They're going to get Jeremy Cameron back uh, probably healthy. Tom Hawkins still has a good footy uh, ahead of him. But uh, you, the, you're looking for the stat for them to be getting more games into their kids. What about the Gold Coast? The Gold Coast. Uh, they need to find all their new, year, their new Year's resolution needs to be finding out what the other 20% is. Now, ah, Damien Hardwick, yeah, okay. now yep. Damien Hardwick, we know he said that he believes that 80% of the Gold Coast Suns' first premiership side is already on the list. And that's a good start, but the other 20% is still to be identified. And, and that's what the Suns will need to spend the year figuring out. Because with three games to go in the, in the season, they were still very much in the hunt for finals. So there's not really a... So they're not building from the ground up. They've got the core of a, of a side that can make it to September. They've got a quality coach in Damien Hardwick. And, and as he's alluded to, they're probably still lacking just a couple more pieces here and there. Now, this year is going to be about figuring out what those pieces are in terms of where they are on the field and how they go about getting them. Now, are they, are they the four draftees that they, they picked up this year who weren't? They won't be the, the full, they the won't be the full 20% because players develop at different speeds, especially key position players. Um, but Jeb Walter and then the ruck that they took, who was the best ruck uh, prospect in the draft from, from all reports as well. So they might not be ready. You know, we saw it with Aaron Cadman 
um, who was number one pick the year before with the Giants. He played a handful of games, showed some promise. They put him in cotton wool and then just keep developing him because key position and tools take longer than midfielders. But I've got no doubt that they've already got that 20%. And I've got no doubt that they play finals this year. They, are, they'll, they'll go close. There's, I mean, sort of putting together a, a later prediction, there's probably about 14 teams that could mm. play finals or at least have a reasonable case for making finals. So the statistic... New, the statistical New Year's Eve <laughs> of the New Year's resolution for the Gold Coast Suns is to find the 20% find that them. Damian Hardwick says that they need to with 80% of their premiership team there. Uh, what about the Giants? The stat that is their New Year's resolution or the trend that they need to correct for their New Year's, New Year's resolution? Very similar to Carlton. They've just got to start the season better. Uh, after round 13, they were uh, five and eight on, on the ladder and they were in the, they were in the bottom four as well, or they might've been fifth from the bottom or something like that. There were Carlton and the giants rise from the bottom of the ladder to the top. was very similar mm. uh, in that they both had a slow start. Then things clicked and then they both got very close to making a, a grand final. The giants even, even closer, only missing out by one point. I, I'm prepared to give them a little more leeway because unlike Carlton, the giants started with a completely new setup. They had a new, new coach, new system come in, and, and sometimes there are teething problems and it takes a little while for things to click. Adam Kingsley looks like an excellent coach. He's done a remarkable job with them in a very short space of time, and mm. I, I think they would be very confident about going one step further next year. But if they're five and eight again and after round 13, that's just not going to happen. No, Lightning doesn't tend to strike twice, although Collingwood winning close games did for two years uh, in a row. They, across the whole year, were the 10th-ranked defence in the competition, the Giants. But after round 13, and especially in the last month, that ranking skyrocketed. So they ended up being, in the run to finals, one of the best defensive teams as well in the competition. And they are a top-five team for inside 50s. They are a a top-five team for marks inside 50s as well, despite... Jeremy Hogan being really their main key forward. So they got a lot out of a little. And again, that shows what you were talking about, the method. So we, it's one that we're going to bring up with Melbourne about their marks inside 50 and their six for that spot being number two for marks inside 50. The Giants, like Collingwood, they don't have the out-and-out dominant big key forward type. They got Brody Majek, but they were number two for marks inside 50 for the year because their method of going in was so well drilled and they were so well coached in the way that they executed going into the arc. So um, that's another big plus for the Giants. But if that defence is for the season as good as it was in the last half of the year, then they're going to be, you know, a very, very hard team to beat. And they show they can win anywhere. Yeah. Or was it 11 or 12 venues that they they won at? Something like that. I think the only place they didn't go to was the Gabba. Yeah. Which I think they do this year. Apparently I said Jeremy Hogan instead of Jesse Hogan before. Thank you, Grant, for picking me up on that. Uh, Who's Jeremy Hogan? I said Jeremy Cameron earlier. I wonder if I was just uh, merging two people into one. Uh, Anyway, welcome back to mornings uh, for the Hyundai SUV sale event. It's on now. Offers are available. Visit your local Hyundai showroom today. Our resident stats guru at SEN, Matty Donalds, jumped into the studio with me. He has identified the statistical New Year's resolution that each one of the 18 teams needs to make to be better in 2024, we're through the G's and we're up to Hawthorne, Maddie. They're a really interesting side. For a side that, that finished 16th, mm. they actually pulled off a, a number of good scalps. They beat three finalists. Two of them made the grand final. Yes. Uh, they beat St Kilda and they beat the Bulldogs, who just missed out in the finals as well. So they managed some pretty good scalps last year. 
The one thing that I think Hawthorne need to improve on are their goal scoring options, or they need to, to work on this. So if you look at what Hawthorne's goal scorers managed last year, there are only two players who scored 20 goals or more over the course of the campaign. Now, only one other side managed as few 20 plus goal scorers as that, and that's West Coast. Right, so, so avenues. avenues. The numbers are goal. telling us they need more avenues yeah. to goal. So Luke Bruce with 47 goals. Mitch Lewis with 36, who missed the start of the season. Mm. Dylan Moore was next with 17 goals from 23 games. Yep. What I would say, though, with respect to Hawthorne, if you look at what they did during the trade period, they've gone about yep. remedying this. So the key players that they've brought in, Jack Ginnivan, who kicked 40 goals in a, in a Collingwood side that made the, the preliminary final in 2022. Yes. Marbio Chol, who scored goals for, for fun at uh, VFL level for the Gold Coast. Mm, and did kick close to 40, not this season gone, but the, the one season before. before. Yep. And they've also brought back Jack Gunston. Mm. So they've got a lot more avenues to goal now, the Hawks. So that, that issue of having different options, they've identified and they've, they've worked on trying to remedy. Uh, it will put them in good stead. For yeah, season. as you'd expect from a team that finished 16th, they had the 16th ranked defence. But Sam Mitchell's an attacking coach, and he's an uh, he's a creative coach. So if you're gonna if you that is what you need to be, I think in in modern footy, and that's where the stats trends are going. That next year or this season to come, I think we're going to see a, a substantial jump up in scoring and 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 scoring accuracy. So in line with how it looks like Sam Mitchell wants Hawthorne to play, putting those pieces in allows them more ability to do so without having to rely on just Luke Bruce uh, and Mitch Lewis when he's fit because he only played 15 games, Mitch Lewis. So when you throw Chole and Gunston around him, Ginnivan at his feet and the young guy um, that they drafted who, I, I don't, look, I don't, we don't know if he'll play straight away, but they certainly, Nick Watson Nick was Watson, a player the they targeted the wizard. And I, I think with the belief that he might be able to play. And then Dylan Moore, who likes to go through the middle as well. So uh, there you go. It starts to be a lot more interesting uh, up forward for the Hawks. What about Melbourne? This is big. This is, this, this, this is big. I've got, got two words for, for Melbourne, which they'll have been sweating on all summer, and they are expected and scores. Uh, so that's the, that was a buzzword stat for the it, year, it your was. expected score. Yeah. And as, as Jared Waitley put it, I think, at around the time, we're still waiting to see who Melbourne play in the expected preliminary final. <laughs> the, the point being that we can talk about expected score and, and what Melbourne yep. should have done, but what they actually did is ultimately what counts. And it was seven goals, 11 in the first final against Collingwood, the qualifying final. And then it was nine goals, 17 in the semifinal to Carlton. And... Those sorts of numbers in front of goal mm. are, are not going to win you finals. They're not going to win you premierships. An extension to that as well. It's not just the conversion in front of goal when you get the opportunities. It's actually getting and generating the opportunities as well. So the first final against the Pies, the inside 50 count was 69 to 37. Mm. They had 69 inside 50s and they managed just seven goals over the course of the entire match. You would have to say, I mean, and we, we go to it, Based off of that, you would think Melbourne would have given themselves enough opportunities to kick a winning score, but they didn't. So this is, this is the, this is the, and this is probably what ultimately cost Melbourne a premiership, really, that inability to be able to make the most of their chances. Yeah. So, and the stat that is most alarming for them is that they were 14th in the competition for goals per inside 50. So you, you gave the weighted numbers of inside 50s they have. That's the stat that tells you where you rank for how many times you score a goal for how many times you yeah. put it inside, forward, in, inside your 50. They were 14th. 
for that. They, they were second in the comp for inside 50s. So just let that resonate. Second in the comp for inside 50s, but 14th for goals for inside 50, and they were sixth for marks inside 50. So that speaks to method when you back up with those stats, and that's going to be the most fascinating watch because they've got everything else. But they do. Dominant they do. midfield, yep. dominant defense, dominant ruck. Yep, they, they've got it all, and they, yep. and they've really and they have really tried to to make it work and to find a winning combination in that in that forward line, at, uh, and they've brought in as well. They've brought in Shane McAdam and Jack Billings as well, who might be able to add a bit mm. more creativity in that forward line. But that's the one that's holding them back. At the yeah, moment. it is, and so Shane McAdam is the one that they bring in, but also Caleb Windsor, who uh, wouldn't be surprised if he plays a lot of footy out on the wing. He's a brilliant distributor. Uh, by foot, and and so too is the um, the player that they took at pick thirteen, uh, Colton Tholstrup, who is an excitement machine. So that might be a couple of younger pieces that they add to to improve. Because you, good luck winning a premiership if you're fourteenth for goals per inside fifty, especially against the best defences in the comp, which you play in finals. Collingwood won't allow you to kick a winning score if you're fourteenth for goals per inside fifty. Uh, North Melbourne. North Melbourne are an interesting case as well. When you look at the players that they've targeted in, in recent years, it looks like they've put a real emphasis on getting the midfield right when you look at the players that they brought in. Mm-hmm. So uh, Colby McKercher this year, Zane Dersma, who's sort of a, a mid-slash-forward type role, uh, Harry Sheasel and George Wardlaw last year. The midfield, most of the pieces in the midfield are there. The issue is still in their defence, so, so North what are the numbers telling you? So the North Melbourne to conceded 99 goals to key forwards in 2023 at an average of almost four and a half goals per game. And that's with Ben Mackay in the side. Now he's not there anymore. So I so North Melbourne will need to find some sort of combination that allows them to, to restrict that sort of dominance that key forwards have had against them in in the, in the past 12 months. The other stat as well, and it tends to go hand in hand with key defenders these days because we, we we're a little obsessed with intercepting defenders. They For average, good reason. And, and with good Scores reason. from intercepts, yep. massive in the context of winning and losing, Kingy tells us, and goals from uh, center clearance. Yes. He thinks are the two most important avenues to goal. Especially with the with the 666 yep. formation in place. North Melbourne averaged 63.1 intercepts this year. That's ranked 17th in the competition. And... That's not necessarily intercept possessions in the defensive half, but that's where you're most likely to win the ball back in your defense. So in terms of the goals they concede to key forwards and the, the capacity to be able to win the ball back was a huge issue in 2023, and it's something that they're going to need to rectify heading into next year. Well, they did take Will Dawson in the draft for that role, but again, key defenders, key forwards and rucks take a, a little longer to develop. So that expectation shouldn't have been put on him straight away. If you're a North Melbourne fan... Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who is going to step up to fill that void and to be that player for you within the ranks that you currently have? Because um, when you have a look at uh, what they did from a trade point of view as well, that's they bought in Toby Pink, who maybe they think that coming out of the Sandful, former Swan, that he might be the guy that can do that. Bego and Yon uh, played a little bit there VFL level for for Richmond as well. But Dylan Stevens, Zach Fisher were the other guys that they brought in. Um, so who steps up to play that key defensive and intercept role 
North Melbourne fans might be better placed to tell us. Is it one of the names that I've mentioned? Is it a name that you can tell us about? Our resident stats man, Matty Donald's jumped in. The statistical New Year's resolution for all 18 clubs, the area in terms of a stat or a trend that your team needs to correct if they're going to be more competitive or play finals in season 2024. We're up to Port Adelaide, Matty. Port Adelaide. Uh, an interesting here for, for the power. They went on a, an incredible run mid-season, but bookended by um, a disappointing start and finish. Their defence is what they need to, to improve on over the course of 2024. They had the seventh worst defence in the league, and it was the worst defence of the entire top eight in terms of points conceded. Opposition had a scoring accuracy of 55% against Port Adelaide. So it was the most accurate or the second most accurate and opposition side. Um, Which when you factor in that only three teams kick above 50% for the season, that's a pretty damning number. And they also conceded 28 scores in both finals that they've played. 19-9 against the Lions and then 13-15 against the Giants. And that's just not sustainable. They've gone about rectifying it. They've they've brought in a couple of players who might be able to help out with that. The Savaradigalia was the the big move from Geelong. Brandon Zirk Thatcher was the the last ditch move as well from the Bombers. So they, that's that's another that's an area that they've identified they need to improve yep. in. Because they were undersized, so a yep. Sava and Zirk Thatcher helped with that. Just off the text, maybe you should touch on the last few weeks of the season with the Demons. There's an excuse, not that there's an excuse, but a reason missing Petty Melksham, T Mac Brown during the season. Then Van Royen. For the Blues final, you talk about inside 50 rankings and about conversion. Maybe the above had a big say in proceedings. That's from Grant. Yep, you had some big outs, Grant, but we've spoken about other clubs that uh, didn't have those kind of didn't have those key targets up forward either, but were able to find a way by their method of putting the ball inside 50 to find teammates uh, in markable positions. But thank you for your contribution as well. Uh, Richmond. Richmond. Well, they've lost Jack Rewald. Uh, I think when you look at what they've brought in, uh, in terms of Jacob Kaczynski from Hawthorne, that looks like a, a straight swap with Rewalt at Kaczynski into that forward line. Now the, the number of goals that they kick aside from their two tall forwards is what Richmond need to improve. So over the past few years, they've regularly relied on Rewalt and Tom Lynch to be the main sources of goals. Rewalt kicked 32 goals this year, but he's now retired. Tom Lynch only kicked nine, but had an injury interrupted season. And is still under that injury cloud as yeah. well. So may not be back for round one. So that's now something that the Tigers are going to have to, to work around and move into the, the next phase of. Kaczynski will help with that. He'll be a, he'll be a replacement for, for real. Whether he'll be able to kick as many goals remains to be seen. Shy Bolton and, and probably Dustin Martin, I would expect, would need to play up forward more often be able to create those goals for Richmond next year. Yeah, where do the goals come from from the Tigers now? Uh, and what about for St Kilda? Because it's a similar trend for them. It is. It is. So they've lost Jade Gresham. Uh, really, it's just a case of needing to kick more goals. They've, they're the fourth uh, worst in the competition for goals scored. They averaged 77 points for the season, which is exactly what they kicked in the elimination final. They scored above 100 just twice all season. And they scored under 64 times. And we know that Ross Lyon is a more defensive-minded coach. But if you mm. want to challenge for premierships, you've got to be able to hit the scoreboard more than what they did last year. Didn't have Max King for anywhere near enough of the season to help with that. But they were the fourth-ranked team for disposal. So they have the footy a lot. They just go every which way but forward when they have it. Um, and their inside 50 numbers uh, as well don't sort of look favourably when you compare them to the fact that they were fourth in the competition. Um for disposals and when they're inside 50 numbers are 17th in, in the comp. So that's, uh, oh, that's efficiency inside 50. They're inside 50 numbers, ninth in the competition being fourth for disposals. Uh, Sydney. Intercepts. 
Sydney need to, to work on their intercepting game. They were eighth in the league for total intercepts and the worst of all finalists in, in 2023. In terms of the top 50 uh, players for intercept possessions in 2023, only Nick Blakey, who was joint 18th, features in the top 50 for the Swans. Every other finalist had a player who featured in the top seven for intercept possessions over the course of the year. Our resident stats man, Matty Donald's come in with the statistical New Year's resolution for every club. The one key area numbers-wise that they need to improve on in season 2024. Matty, we're up to West Coast. Where do you start? Well, this is the big question. With the greatest of respect to, to West Coast, every key statistic that, that I, I combed through, they were either last in or, or second last in over the course of 2023. So it's a, it's a mixture of everything that West Coast need to improve on, unfortunately. Well, there we go. We'll just leave it there. Everything. And that's fair enough. Um, what about the Western Bulldogs, your team? Yeah, the Western Bulldogs. So this is a, a trend that's been ongoing since the grand final of, of 2021. And it's runs of goals that cost the Bulldogs. So since that grand final, they've conceded a run of four or more consecutive goals in 29 of their past 47 matches. And that includes conceding four or more consecutive goals in 14 out of 23 games this year. So it's clearly a long-term concern that the dogs need to address. And when you combine that with the fact that they lost six games by 12 points or fewer in 2023, it ultimately costs them maybe not just making finals, but breaching into the top four for the first time in quite a long time as well. So it's a, a long-term trend that they've got to rectify heading into next year if they want to break back into the top eight. They were 12th for goals for inside 50s. I'm fascinated that they're only 11th for marks inside 50s, given those key forwards, and they've got intercept issues uh, as well. The, the funniest thing is they've got the cattle to fix all of them, but they, for, from, they don't choose to play those players when maybe they can fix in that. But will, would moving Aaron Norton to defence leave too big a hole in attack? I don't think so. But there are solutions there for Luke Beveridge. So they are a fascinating watch from a numbers point of view um, in season 2024, Matty. Uh, they've certainly got everything they need to be able to jump back into the top eight and maybe even top four. But those are those issues that they're going to need to correct. Uh, I'm staggered that they are so low for marks inside 50s. And when you look at goals as well, they were the 10th ranked scoring team with all that firepower. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't does quite it? add up. And all that no. midfield dominance as well. Hey, fantastic job from you, Matty. Have your say. More mornings coming up after this. New Year's resolutions.